in that moment, it was like the Holy Spirit was sitting next to me, you know, almost kind of like elbowing me on the couch going like, you like that, huh? I like that too. Like, isn't that great? Like, could you believe that not only am I okay with you making mistakes, but that the mistakes are actually sometimes my favorite part? Welcome to the Hope and Reason podcast, where we remember together the reasons for the hope we have in Jesus. I'm Elise Hurd. And I'm Becky Keefe. We're your hosts, and we are so glad you are here. This podcast is an invitation to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear a true story about His real impact in our lives. Our heart is that these stories will recenter, refocus, and refresh you. We want to remind you how much God loves you, how He is for you and with you. Now let's dive in. Hey friends, thanks for tuning in today. This is actually the second time that Becky and I are sitting down to record this episode because that is true. <laughs> last time we had some technical issues and even though as we wrapped up that conversation and it was a really beautiful one, I had a little bit of disappointment at that time. So it was so good and I wanted you to hear it, but I have come, it's just a few days later, but I'm actually really grateful that you are getting this re-recording because the day after you know, we had those tech issues and the, the recording didn't stick. The very next day, I found myself going into a church service, which really influenced an additional part that we wanted to share with you here today. So if you've seen the title of this episode, it's about things that are cringeworthy that have to do in church and cancel culture and imperfections. But previously, we were just going to be talking about cancel culture and imperfections. And then my experience the very next day made me go, you know what? What we said is really good and true, but there's something additional that I think the Lord wanted to say here that would be really hopeful and really encouraging. And so I'm actually going to kick us off with that story first. Does that sound good? Good. Yes. I can't, I can't wait to hear it. And I am expectant for what God is going to reveal to our listeners as well as to us, because every time we sit down, Elise, I learn something more about you, about myself, and most importantly about God through our conversations. And so that is our hope for you today, friends. Yes. And I was in a learning process because the words that we had just been saying the day before were ringing through my head. That's where I started. So I went to this church service and the way that as it progressed, the way that God was being spoken about, I was like, "Ooh, I do not agree with that ooh, that is scripture out of context. And it was just, it was bothering me more and more and more. And so the words we'd been saying the previous day, which we'll get to in my last story, were ringing through my head. And I was like, that is not like working in this particular scenario. And I just started to get more and more angry at, to the point to where tears actually started rolling down my face. And it surprised me because I will cry in two minutes, like at the drop of a hat, if you're singing a worship song and I'm thinking about the kindness of God, like that will bring tears to my eyes just in a heartbeat. But I haven't cried angry tears in a long time. Mm -hmm. And so I was going, okay, these tears are tiny messengers from my soul. Like what is going on? 
why am I so angry? And I was just in that moment trying to hold it together and not make it about me (laughs) and just trying to be as gracious as I could be. But I was so angry with the way that God was being misrepresented and with the way scripture was being misrepresented. And I was really hurting for the people in the room who were hearing these things about God who may not know him personally or hadn't walked with him for a long time, and they wouldn't know that it wasn't true. It's like hearing a friend that you love so much being talked about in a way where you just want to stand up and say, like, that is not what they're like. (laughs) Stop talking about my beloved in that way. It was so upsetting. So as I was sitting with God about that and thinking about the pieces we're going to talk about with cancel culture and with imperfections, it was a fresh tenderness and revelation to me that when I talk about someone else sharing in an imperfect way, I am not generally hearing it through the filter that some other people may be. They may commonly hear the kind of message that I heard in that particular church service about God. Their entire filter on who he is, like that may be the standard, not the exception. And so I was like, you know, Lord, like what have you shown me and told me about you that I could speak to in this scenario? Because What this podcast is about is about the reasons that we have hope in Jesus. It is not about all the things that people do wrong and the the cringeworthy things that you can hear online or in a church service. That's not the point at all. So I was like, Lord, what is the, you know, talk to me about this. And I was reminded of a story that I realized was so foundational. I honestly wouldn't even be here speaking on this podcast today if I hadn't had this experience with God. And so it goes all the way back to when I was first developing my relationship with him. And one of the things God impressed upon me was like the things that you read about me or the things that I say to do, I want you to actually do them. Like, don't just talk about it. Don't just think about it. Get out and do it. And so for me, I was like, I'm really like a baby in my faith. I don't know a whole lot. But what I do know, and we talk about this in episode one. So here I am, very young 20s, like 21 years old. I had just turned my life back over to Jesus, you know, a couple of years prior through a circumstance of choosing to enter into single motherhood. So I was a single mom at this time. And I was like, God, I have walked with you through the experience of having been a pregnant teenager, you know, having chosen an abortion and becoming pregnant as a teen again and keeping the baby. I was like, so this, I know your kindness in this scenario. I know what it's like to walk with you through this. I'm like, so I think I would like to go volunteer at my local pregnancy center so that I could just be a voice of encouragement and hope and love to other women in similar circumstances because I had made both choices and I was coming from Mm -hmm. a place with zero judgment. But I thought I could get in the room with them and, and share some of what I know about Jesus or some hope and some really practical resources that they have available to them. So that's what I did. I went to my local center and the first part of volunteering is to become trained. And in that training, I read lots of books. I watched lots of movies and, you know, videos giving all kinds of information that I would need about resources that are available, what's actually going on. I learned a lot, even though I'd had an abortion experience. I didn't know much of what had happened to me, even though I had gone through it until I actually watched those videos. So it was all very eye-opening. But then we get to the point to where if I'm going to actually be a peer counselor and get in the room with these women, I also have a certain amount of hours that I go into the counseling rooms and sit with a counselor who has more extensive experience, who has been in there, and hear how they actually go from beginning to end in counseling and supporting and helping the girls and the women that enter these rooms. 
So that was the part I was most excited about. And that was the part I was most nervous about because I was like, I'm going to have to really think on my feet. Sometimes when you ask me a question, even if I know the answer to it, my brain can just go blank. And so I was like, I don't know how this is going to go getting in the counseling room, but that's where I felt like I was supposed to be. So here I am. I go into the counseling room for the first time with another volunteer and we are sitting there and they start to go through the intake process and the counseling process. And you come to a part where you can speak about spiritual things if the person who you are counseling would like to have that discussion and is open to things. And they said that they were. And so the other counselor began asking them questions. And I'm so tender to what this other girl is going through because I've previously been, I mean, I wasn't in that seat, but I identified so much what it was like to be in that place and just going, wow, everything that she is saying, the way that she is phrasing the questions, it was not how I would have said things at all. There were things that hmm. bothered me. Like there was assumptions in some of the questions. I was like, I don't even know if there's context for that. Like this girl isn't even thinking you could see her like processing or like her brain was trying to figure out like how to even respond to that. Like that's not even what I came in for. It was just how things were presented. I was cringing. I, I think I controlled my face on the outside. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I was praying furiously like the whole time I was listening because I was like, Lord, like I know that this other woman who is counseling her, like I know that she loves you. And, you know, from my interactions with her, that was what I thought, or I assumed I'm like, I think she loves you. I think she loves this girl. But the way in which things are being said was so painful to me to listen to. I was like squirming in my seat as I was praying. That's so uncomfortable. And I think I haven't been in that scenario, but just I'm just nodding my head because I'm like, yes, whether it's something we see online or something that, yeah, another believer is saying and you want to be like, you're getting it wrong and there's the stakes are so high. Yeah. So I'm feeling I'm feeling it with you right now. Yes, exactly that. And then I saw this really it's beyond, I was going to say like cool or amazing or awesome. Those are words I use a lot, but it was a relief. I saw this thing happen that was a huge relief to me. It was what I needed to see. It was like there was this one conversation that was happening, but the Holy Spirit was having a whole separate conversation with this girl. And I have seen this happen countless times since. But so it was like, even though things were not being presented in a way that I would, the Spirit was still moving and communicating and drawing this person, you know, deeper into relationship with him. She ended up from a good place, not a broken place, not a manipulative place, not a coerced place, from a sincere place of wanting to go deeper into relationship with Jesus. She ended up crying, like accepting Jesus, like taking a Bible home, like keeping that baby, like going deep, doing the Bible classes, doing all the different things. Wow. It, and it was not because of what was said or done in that room. It was a move of God. And that freed me up so much in going like, man, thank you, God. This is not about me doing everything right because I know if I'm opening my mouth, I'm going to be saying things imperfectly wrong and sometimes probably cringeworthy and that I don't know everything about you. And it was just like this huge relief from God to like, I am in control. I can communicate the yeah. truth of myself 
regardless of who is speaking. Like, and if there are wounds that someone inflicts, because words are powerful, absolutely. It's like, I can heal those. I can redeem those situations. I can still reach that person. He's like, and I, I would read it in the scriptures, you know, he's like, I can, I can speak through a donkey. Like I can communicate the truth of myself through my creation, much less a person who can articulate words. And so it was like, you do not be afraid, Elise, like show up, do the best you can speak the most truth that you know, in the most love that you know, and trust me that my love covers a multitude of sins, including sins of those who speak on my behalf and misrepresent me and say things inaccurately and all that. Like I can heal anything. I can redeem anything. I will never stop drawing people to myself. And do not let that stop you from getting in the room and trying to show up as love for me. And so I was so grateful to have that experience with God. And that doesn't mean that I didn't also take away from it and know like that I could do something differently. When I entered counseling rooms, I did not exactly, you know, duplicate. I actually went to the the leader of the pregnancy center and was like, hey, I cannot present Jesus in this way. I don't like these questions. I don't like, I don't resonate with any of this. And I wrote out the way that I would walk someone through a spiritual conversation and said, this is what I'm thinking. And she was like, two thumbs up, huge hug, like full blessing, go for it, do the conversations in that way. So it doesn't mean that our awareness of like something that is cringeworthy or wrong doesn't mean that that can't influence exactly how we'll do something differently. But it does mean that what that doesn't, what God wants to do through a scenario is not going to be stopped by our imperfections and by our flaws. And so that is the relief that I wanted to start us off with today. Yes. Oh, and what a relief. It is a relief. It is a relief. And, you know, we're going to be touching on cancel culture. And I think the reason why this feels like such a relief is not, I mean, primarily because it reminds us of the power of God, (laughs) that ultimately it is he who is drawing people to himself. It is the Holy Spirit who is communicating transcendent truths. But then the second part that I think is a relief is, is that we currently live in, in a society where people are so quick to point out our flaws, to point out what they perceive as misrepresentations of God or of fill in the blank, like anything. Like people are called out and canceled because of something that was, you know, someone misspoke or someone even did the very best and then realized later like, oh, I was wrong in that. That was a mistake. And yet it can be scary when it feels like that there is in culture, there is no room for redemption. You mess up, you are taken out. And that is not the message of God. No. And so I love you sharing this, Elise, and some of the things that we're going to, some of the stories we're going to talk about today reminds us of that truth that the world may say, be perfect, you know, know and be able to articulate exactly what you believe and like stand firm and all these things. And yet we see a God who, like you said, who can speak in all kinds of ways through all kinds of imperfections. And that doesn't mean that as believers, we don't we don't seek to like steward our words and our actions and all of that well. Yes, of course. Like we take representing 
God and the gospel seriously. But thank him <laughs> that when we mess up, like his plans are never thwarted by our shortcomings. Yes. And that that's a huge relief to me for sure. Yes. So I was recently asking God about a time that he used imperfect things or people and what I might have missed if I had focused on the imperfection and not hearing God's voice. Hmm. Because friends, that's really what this is about. This is about us receiving directly from God. And he is so willing to speak to us. And he does that in all kinds of ways. And so the story that came to my mind was related to The Shack. The Shack was a 2007 novel by William P. Young that 10 years later was adapted into a major motion picture. The the book alone I read back in the day has over 41,000 Amazon reviews. And so a lot of people have heard this story and a lot of people have a lot of thoughts and feelings about it. So I'm going to drop you into the story at a particular scene in the movie and in the book that really made an impact on me. And it's the scene where the main character, Mac, is talking to God, the character that is representing God the Father. And as they're conversing and and, and Mac's heart is, is really hard towards the Lord, he has been deeply, deeply wounded by some things that have transpired that you learn about in the story. And every time the God character like mentions someone or, or Mac brings someone up, whether it's his wife or a coworker or someone in the past. And every time God says this phrase, oh, I am especially fond of them. Oh, I'm especially fond of her. Oh, I'm especially fond of him. And after like several interactions on different occasions where God responds this way, Mac finally asks something to the effect of, is there anyone you're not especially fond of? And he says it kind of like in this like like mocking way, like how can this yeah. how can this be? Yeah. And God says, "Come to think of it, there's not." Hmm. And this idea that God looks upon each person with such endearing fondness has become a really powerful lens through which I believe we are supposed to see humanity. And it's so interesting because God has brought, like it will have been like years since I had read the book or seen the movie. And at least like I'll be in line at a grocery store and I can be impatient and I can be frustrated with the person who is trying to pay with a written check. <laughs> I'm like, why? No, 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 no. Don't get out the checkbook. Like <laughs> we like Google pay, Apple pay, credit card, tap, tap and go. Like I... <laughs> You know, and it's in that moment where I am, you know, or, or maybe the, the the checker, I feel like, is being inefficient. Don't be inefficient when it comes to scanning the groceries. Like, I'm. it sounds ridiculous saying that loud, but I, I'm thinking I'm not the only one who does this. You're not. Or any kind of scenario, right? You know, maybe you're having an interaction with an especially contentious neighbor or a coworker who feels like they're not pulling their weight or your spouse or your kids who are doing that thing that like irritates you. And God will drop into my mind. I'm especially fond of them. Oh, so good. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Friends, are you feeling, are you feeling that pang of conviction? 
And I love it because I believe that this line is so reflective of God's character, right? Like this is who God is. Flaws and imperfections and annoyances, like God sees people he loves. Yes. This is the God who loved the world so much that he gave his only son, Jesus, to save a broken people and invite them into his forever family. The God who's especially fond of us is the God who removes our sins. And scripture says he does it as far as the east is from the west. And he remembers them no more. This is the God who is especially fond of you and every person we interact with. And so that has just been such like a beautiful truth. Mm. But in the context of the conversation that we're happening to, having today, I realize that I could have easily missed this significant truth if I had gotten bogged down in the weeds of imperfection of the vehicle through which God was communicating via this book and movie. Because while The Shack was wildly popular, it was also wildly controversial. For example, in the scene that I'm talking about with Mac and God, the character of God the Father is portrayed as a woman. Mm -hmm. And lots of people have an issue with that and believe that that alone discredited the value of the entire story. I heard Christians saying, you are unchristian if you read this book or if you watch this movie. People just trying to throw out, you know, any value because on the flip side, other people who also were having a misrepresentation of God and scripture were taking this fictional account as gospel truth. Like, oh, this must be an actual picture of exactly how heaven is and exactly what God looks like. And that also wasn't true. And there's also lots of other aspects of the book that some elevated as perfect truth while others deemed like theological blasphemy, you know? And so I'm grateful that God reminded me again, as I thought about this story of like, okay, like he can use anything and it does and I don't have to debate or I don't have to defend. Is this book worthy of being read? Is this movie, you know, a good or a bad representation of Christianity? Like I don't have to be the defender if I'm in a posture of receiving and seeing God saying in that moment, like, this is a nugget I have for you. I'm going to tuck it in your heart and I'm going to reveal to you something about me. I just love that 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 is who God is, that he is the God of creativity and goodness. And he can choose to reflect that in all kinds of places and ways. And it's not up to us to have to make it all perfect. No, it's not. And I mean, I would, I have been so grateful for the many people, books, stories, movies, podcasts. I have learned so much truth about God from people who don't know him at all, much less people. Right? I mean, th- uh, their words, like not mine, like I'm not making an outward assessment. They are saying like, I don't know Jesus. I don't walk with God. Like that is not part of what they do. It's not part of their worldview or their belief system. And God still speaks powerfully, powerful truths through them, sometimes through what's highlighted that is wrong and sometimes through things that are so poignant and powerful and spot on. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I remember how much controversy there was over the shack. And I also know and have heard so many stories of incredibly deep healing and goodness and truth 
that was brought out of that, including like what you highlighted about that. I am especially like that truth. I am especially fond of that person, whoever that person is, of him, of her, of them. I think that if we as communicators, so, you know, Becky, you and I feel called to, as you said, a ministry of words, communicating and showing up publicly in a number of different ways. And we are aware of what that what that means, you're putting your words out there to be able to be heard and assessed by others. And we pray that there is that discernment and that anything that we say that isn't true or reflective of God would be that God will just blow that away. And the stuff that is true is what will stick. But one of the reasons why I wanted to have this discussion today is because I feel so much extra tenderness for the people who feel called to some kind of public ministry like we do, something mm-hmm. that is outside of your home. And your core safe people who will love you no matter what. And so that may be if you are an entrepreneur, you're trying to build a business. And so you're putting messages out there publicly. If you are a leader or a speaker or a writer or a pastor in a number of different ways, it is just so on my heart. And I think about how intimidating that it can be in the world now because Mm -hmm. there is, as you said, there's not just this practice, this cultural practice of grace and understanding that we are all in the process of growing up as a leader and as a person. When I was much younger in my entrepreneurial journey, so I'm thinking all the way back to, I mean, it's been probably at least seven or eight years ago, but I was hearing someone who at the time was a newer and a very gifted Christian leader who had been really impactful in my life. I was so grateful for the messages that she was willing to show up and share online in a number of different ways and through books that she has written. And she was sharing in this particular, it was a more intimate group. She was talking about acknowledging the fear of writing something down and it being published and just full out acknowledging that, you know, like I could mature and grow up in Christ. And in two years or five years, I could go back and I could reread something that is in my own book. You cannot edit. Like that's not like a post you can go back to and just like click the edit button and shift a few words around, right? Right. Or just, or delete or archive and just pretend it never happened. Right. It is out there and saying that like even with that, and realizing that there were things that I might wish that I could edit or that I could change or even I might have been wrong about some things. Even so, her encouragement was so powerful to me just in saying like, don't let that hold you back. Don't let your imperfections hold you back. Show up anyway, share anyway, be humble and learn and grow. And I would say that as we continue walking with God, I think it's I think it is impossible to not continually be humbled if you are walking with God, that that is just a part of it, that greater and greater levels of awareness and realization come with it. And that that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. So it because really it's not about us at all. It's about what God can do and can speak through us. And so I I know that there are people I've had the privilege to coach and they have a book on their heart and it's like, write that book. Like, should the imperfect book never be written? No, Mm -hmm. like they're all imperfect. Like none of them would ever be written. Like go ahead and pursue what God has on your heart now. Show up as best as you can now, 
because we don't get to her finished or finalized form as long as we are still breathing. <laughs> we are going to still right. be in process. Right. And I think of this too, like I have a friend who owns her own business and, you know, recently was like, I think getting on social media is like the next step. And she's always been just like a consumer, uh, a, a lurker <laughs> on, on, on Instagram. And yet there are some very real fears about showing up, showing up with her face, with her voice, you know, what all, all of the what ifs, like, and she'd ask me questions like, you know, do you, like, what about like, how do you handle, you know, negative feedback? How do you handle, you know, trolls or nasty comments or, you know, people discrediting you? And not that those aren't valid questions to think about and to, and to wrestle with, but what comes to mind as an even bigger question is, what are we really afraid of? Hmm. What am I really afraid of? And what does God have to say about that? Because maybe what you're really afraid of is looking stupid because someone has told you that you're stupid. Maybe you're really afraid of losing your reputation or feeling like an imposter. I mean, there's all these things. And ultimately, I believe that all of that goes back to who do you believe God says about you? And even if like, what if all those like worst case scenarios came true? What if you were discredited? What if people called you stupid? What if people called you ugly? Like, is there, is there truth in who God says you are that you can still stand on? Mm -hmm. I don't know, Elise. I just was like, somehow this, we, this is, this is connected, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. It's who God says I am is the only reason I'm sharing. It's the only reason I show up online. Like if I, did not, if I hadn't gone through so many hours of one-to-one -one time with him talking through identity and purpose and staying focused on him and who he is, then I would not be showing up. It's so much more comfortable for me. I'm an introvert. I'm a homebody. I have no problem with a small, quiet life. That does not sound unappealing to me. Doesn't mean I don't mm -hmm. have big dreams also, but I am very aware that the the higher you go, like if you choose to be that lamp put on a stand, that's also a way to be a target. I have seen that happen with people that I love online, with people that I respect, leaders that I have seen put in so many years of faithful Same. service Same. Yeah. and just seen them get shredded. And so that awareness combined with my personality of being perfectly fine with staying quiet and in my little inner circle, you know, could many times have kept me from showing up or offering some of the good things that God continually said, that's not just for you. That's for somebody else too. Mm -hmm. And I want you to share that about me. So that's why I show up. And, and this next story I'm going to share is one of those that I don't feel like is just for me. So as I've done many years of work with being aware of my imperfections, so, and this could have gone, I mean, this could go way, way back. You want to talk about, there's different kinds of imperfections, right? When I think back to what my first professional career was. So at 13, I started modeling. And at the end of your training, you go and you stand in a room. So I'm a 13-year-old girl in high heels and a one-piece 
swimsuit and you have to walk and talk and do different modeling poses in front of a board of adults. And their job in that assessment review is from top to bottom to basically pick you apart, tell you all the things that are wrong about you, tell you all the things that you need to do better, all the parts of you that could improve, you know, and it's like, not there's a lot of things you can't do anything about, right? Like your neck should be longer, right? It's like whatever. Well, you're like, you know, okay, right? So I was very used to being in a public eye where people were assessing what was imperfect about me. That is part mm-hmm. of my childhood and growing up story. And while to a certain extent I didn't care in those scenarios, I have always cared very deeply about doing what's right saying what's right. I care very much about excellence and doing well. It's like, I don't want to be wrong. So then when it came to something so important as talking about who God is, oh gosh, I really didn't want to be wrong. Like being wrong about something in, in, in every day that has lesser impact. But so I had a lot of tenderness in this area. And so God and I did a lot of work and he built up my confidence again, like with that story I told earlier about like, just live in the relief that I can speak through you anyways. I can do anything. Show up for me. Then we walk through this season mm-hmm. of just do it for one person. Like it don't, if like thinking about a crowd is hard for you, show up and speak to one person, serve them, love them. They're worth it. I leave the 99 and I go after the one, like just speak to one. And so, and really like I'm the one, I'm always in the audience. I'm always listening. I'm always there reading your words and think about how I am towards you. And so I was thinking about those things as I was preparing. A few years ago, I was invited to be a speaker at an online summit, and I knew that this summit was going to reach a very wide audience. They had a lot of very well-known names that they were promoting, and all of those individuals were you know, sharing it with their communities as well. So I knew it was going to be a have a worldwide reach. And particularly, there were other speakers at this summit who I had a lot of personal respect for, who I had, you know, tracked with their journeys for a long time. I knew their stories of knowing God. Like one of the women I would speak, like my name was going to come right after uh, one of these days for like Johnny Erickson Tata and her life experience with God for anyone who doesn't know is incredible. And her message was so incredible. And so I did all of my due diligence in the inner work that I needed to do to show up and be able to to share what God had put on my heart to share at this summit. So I did that. I gave it my best. I spoke. And then immediately after we finished, so I felt good. I felt peaceful. I was focused. And then immediately after we finished, (laughs) we said goodbye. We signed off the summit. My brain started doing what it does after I get done speaking, which is like post, you know, action review, analyzing everything I said and did. And like, oh, you didn't close this loop. Oh, you didn't say this thought. Oh, And the audience doesn't know that. The people who are listening didn't know what I had prepared, but my brain knew. And it was pointing out all the things right away or what I could have said or done better. And I just immediately leaned on that truth of knowing. So I had finished recording and then I got in my car to drive back home. So in the drive home, that's like my processing time with God where I'm like, I'm going to shift back into like mom mode. and, And on this drive, I'm telling myself, what I knew to be true about like, Lord, I did it for you. I did my best. I showed up for you. I'm going to be at peace with that. That is success. I trust you. I know that you can speak through anything I said and you can communicate something totally different that didn't even come out of my mouth. I'm going to be good with that. So I'm I'm in a p- pretty peaceful place and I get home 
And I walk in and hit the door. And as soon as I do, my kids are like running across the house, like, mom, mom, come here. We got something we want to show you. And they, and I'm like, okay, guys. And so they grab my hand and they drag me over to the couch and um, they're like, sit here, sit here. And they run back to the middle of the room and they stand up like really tall and they're like four and two. And so they're like stretching up tall and they have little hands by their side and they're grinning. Their faces just have these huge smiles on them. And I'm like, what in the world are they going to do? They're like getting ready to perform. And then they open their mouths and they start singing the ABCs. And it was just, it was, it was an epic (laughs) performance and they were so proud. Like, look at what I have learned. And um, so there they are, A, B, C, D. And they're just looking right at my eyes, smiling the whole time. And I am sitting on the edge of that couch, keeping eye contact with them, just smiling back. And they get to the part of the ABCs where they go, they're like, A, B, C, D. And then they're M and M O P, something like that. They can't say the <laughs> L M N O P part correctly at all. And this huge smile, like I was already smiling, but it just, almost started to hurt my face. I just loved that moment so much. And in that moment, it was like the Holy Spirit was sitting next to me, you know, almost kind of like elbowing me on the couch going like, you like that, huh? I like that too. Like, isn't that great? Like, could you believe that not only am I okay with you making mistakes, but that the mistakes are actually sometimes my favorite part? Could you believe that there is a part in me that delights the most, like when you bobble things or don't say it exactly right, because he's like, I understand exactly what you're trying to say. I know. I see you. I see you doing it for me. You're up there doing this performance, this speaking, this whatever it is for me. You're looking for my approval, just like my kids were looking for my approval. He's like, I approve. I approve. And my kids you know, get done singing through the rounds a couple times and they take these really unsteady bows. It was the cutest thing ever. And then I'm just sitting there clapping for them. And then they ran over into my arms afterwards and they looked into my face and they just asked me directly. They're like, did you like it, mom? What was your favorite part? And I just laughed and I'm hugging them. I said, I loved it. I loved all of it. I love you. And, and I really like that part where you said M and an OP, you know, and they're just happy, you know, and they just get up to, to run off and go do it again. And um, I can't tell you how many different times in different ways that God has used my relationship with my kids to communicate some truth about his love for me. And in this case, it was like just the tiniest reflection of God's massive love for me that he cherishes me in every single stage of my showing up and doing things for him was just really emphasizing to me. Even today, I was watching one of my children as they were learning to play some songs on the piano. And it is not lost on me that one of those songs I'm actually going to link to in the show notes today. It's, I think the title of this is You Say by Lauren Daigle. It's about about who God says we are, but it was just the music to that. And as she was playing through it, it was just me and her in the room. And she's only been practicing for three days. And there were these little bobbles and missed notes and things. And I just had tears come to my eyes again because I was like, I am looking at you, like not the imperfect parts. And Mm -hmm. I recognize like this is a sacred space, like this vulnerable space that you allow me to be in where you have this faith like a child 
that I am going to love you and cheer for you and encourage you, even though we both know like it's not coming out perfectly. And so I was just super grateful for that ABC experience with my kids and for the thing that happened even today with my daughter playing piano. Yeah. And it just makes me think, if God can use toddlers singing the ABCs wrong, if God can use a pregnancy counselor with good intentions and horrible delivery, yep. if God can use a controversial book or movie, if he can use these imperfect means to help express his perfect love for us, then God can use you, friends. He can use you when you are willing to show up and say, God, this is this is the best I can give. Help me to give you my best today. It's not going to be perfect, but would you work through me? Would you be executing your plan and your will in a way that only you can? And then will we be able to sit back and say, God, did you like it? Mm-hmm. And he would say, I loved it and I love you. Yes. And he might even tell you that he likes those bloopers, those B-roll moments, those parts where you're like, okay, that was that was a slip. I didn't do that right. He might even just surprise you in telling you that that imperfect part is part of what delighted him the most and that he understands and he's got it covered anyways and to lean into and live into that relief. I am never going to get over the fact, especially so the longer I've been an adult and the more, so with seven kids and a business and full life and responsibilities, we do a lot of adulting over here. There's a lot of things that I like look around and wish I could delegate to somebody else. And it's like, it's me. The buck stops with me. I am the person to do it. And I am so grateful that in the midst of all of that, that we never outgrow being God's child. You will never outgrow getting to be God's child. And you never outgrow his grace for every single stage and step of maturity that you are growing into. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as his children, we can be assured that he wants to speak to us. And so in addition to knowing and believing that God can and will use you, imperfect, beautiful, (laughs) beloved you. He also wants to speak to you. And so as his kids, I think we have a charge to be attentive, be open to how the spirit is going to speak. When you read a book, when you listen to a song, when you're in nature, when you're spending time with your kids or your spouse or your college roommate, or, you know, fill in the blank, ask God, help me to hear your voice. Because he is going to speak. And the ways that Elise and I described in our stories are just, you know, tiny little examples. And I know that you have your own too. And so I encourage you to think about, God, how have you used maybe unexpected people or situations to speak about your love to me? And then the other encouragement I want to leave you with, friends, is to be in God's word. Because we do have to put on our discernment to know, okay, if something is cringeworthy, if it doesn't seem quite right, God, is there something of value here that you want me to pay attention to? 
And we have to know scripture in order to know if something that is impressed on our hearts or minds is aligned with God, with who he is and with what he says to us and about us. And so let this be a reminder that to be a person of, of, of God's word, because when we have his word and his truth hidden deeply in our hearts, he's going to bring it to mind. He's going to use his spirit to speak to you, to confirm, or to give you that nudge of like, I don't, I don't think this is right. This is maybe isn't for me or, you know, whatever it is, but he's calling us to pay attention and, and to make time with him and his word the priority. Because number one, that's how he's going to speak to us. And all the other stuff I think is like, it's just the beautiful creative overflow secondary of how, of how God works. Yes. And I, I think it is so important that as we're reading, so for example, like in the cringeworthy story, scripture was being directly read, but like you said, you need to know it. We need to know it in context. We need to understand. And so it's not that there's fear or pressure there. There's relief and freedom there. If you sit down and you read through your Bible, I remember when I did that as a young adult, I was so surprised by the way that Jesus talked about things. I heard it completely differently as a child or when other people read it to me. And so in the same way that now, like I read books aloud to my kids. I still have quite a few young children. We still do read alouds basically every day. And as I am reading to them, because I know their personalities and because I know their their struggles and their thoughts and what's been going on in their days, when I'm reading these books to them, I will intentionally emphasize different words within the stories that will highlight, particularly in a way that matters to them, something I want to draw their attention to. And so when I sit down and open up my Bible, I do the same thing. I say, Holy Spirit, would you like read mm-hmm. this to me? I don't want it to be just a text message. Like... Satan quoted scripture. People in the church have quoted scripture. Like it can be so wrong. Like I want to hear your tone of voice. I want you to teach me. I want to be taught directly by you, God. I want to know what you, what your voice sounds like. And I don't mean in an audible way, but I mean, you know, in my spirit, I mean, if God wants to speak to me out loud, that would probably scare the mess out of me, but he can, if he wants to, but I just mean within my spirit, within my mind, within my heart, I want him to communicate his truth to me in the way in which he intends it. Because so much of what Jesus did when he came here in his ministry, he said, for this reason I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. So I'm like, okay, you are the truth. You testify to the truth. Your Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. That's what I want to know. So as I read this, I am very aware I don't know the Middle East. I don't know, you know, thousands of years ago what culture was like then, but you do. You highlight for me. You know my day, you know my week, and just like I do for my kids, Holy Spirit, like highlight for me, emphasize to me what you want me to meditate on, what you want me to know. And so that's a way that I love to approach the scriptures. I approach it with a, a pen and a journal. And so anything that God highlights to me, I'm ready to either underline it or write it down or just sit with it. And he'll do that for you too, friends. That's so good. I'm going to, I'm going to start doing that. Holy Spirit, would you read this to me? That's, that's beautiful. Elise, I think you have a few songs that you wanted to share with, uh, share with our friends and things that you're going to link in the show notes, just 
for deeper encouragement on what we've talked about today. Yes, exactly. I will be doing that because I think that if you are anything like me and if you can be the most critical towards yourself, I mean, it's like forget trolls and comments from other people. A lot of what I've received has been really, really kind and encouraging and all of that my inner voice can be really critical. (laughs) And so songs sometimes are a really powerful way that I can get back in line with the soundtrack of what God says about me, how he views me, his encouragement to me to keep showing up or to live more, to lean more fully into who I am in him. And so I'm going to link to some songs that have been helpful to me in that way or to my kids recently. And so those will be in the show notes. You're going to want to make sure and see those. Thank you so much for being here with us today. And if we could tell you one thing, it would be that God is especially fond of you. Yes, he is. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. Let me tell you, we believe that God has life-changing good plans for you this year in 2024, and that in order to fully step into the next level of abundance that he has for you, you will need strong foundations of knowing and remembering who God is and what he has done for you. We believe that God wants to reveal his heart towards you through the stories we will share on this podcast. So make sure to subscribe to the Hope and Reason podcast and tune in when a new episode is available to you, which will be next Thursday. And until then, remember, you are so, so loved.